You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. We're going to find that uh, in this passage in Romans 8, uh, 11 through 17, the law of repetition is used over and over and over again. If you want somebody to catch something, you, you repeat it. Uh, that's why when we were going through the thing, I had to repeat the, the sentence like three times because you know, it's one thing that we got to realize that no one is beyond the Lord's ability to touch and transform their lives. And it's like, okay, I don't know if anybody heard that. Let's say it again. And let's say it again. And that's why, you know, the Apostle Paul, if he can say it, you know, it, it's, not, uh, <clears throat> it's not redundant for me to repeat what I've said before because it's good for you. <laughs> and so it's like, okay, I keep repeating some things, but I think it's good for us. I know it's good for me. There's a lot of things that we need to, to keep aware of. I've titled this God's Spirit because spirit is used over and over and over and over throughout this passage. And you'll see it in relationship to life. You'll see it in relationship to us as children, as sonship. You'll see it in relationship to us as heirs. Listen to the word of the Lord. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Repetition. Who lives in you? Who lives in you? Who lives in you? Who lives in you? Oh, the spirit. Okay. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So now we make a transition. We've got the Spirit living in. Now those that are being led by the Spirit are sons of God, children of God, sons and daughters, okay? For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory." Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. We ask that you would take the written word and make it alive. Let it be the living word that our ears, both natural and spiritual, are able to listen and hear and receive. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would do that wonderful, transforming, powerful thing that only you can do in us in taking revelation and making it click and illuminating it so that we see what we didn't see the moment before illumination. And so come, give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive all that is true from your holy word, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing he shows us here is the association of the Spirit of God and life. 
He says, the Spirit, the one who raised Jesus from the dead, okay? We're, We're not talking about just any spirit. We're talking about the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead, okay? Is living in you. Present tense. The Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you right now. Then he goes back. The Spirit who raised Christ from the dead. Repetition? Yeah. That Spirit will give life to your mortal bodies. If I could look at it, the the first way I would see it is that the life that the Spirit gives you is a quickening of your spirit, taking the very spirit, the image of God that you were created in (laughs) from the foundation of the earth that has been dormant because of Adam's sin and all of that. When it gets quickened, when we receive Jesus Christ, our spirit becomes alive. That's present tense. It's, It's alive right now. There are things I believe that our spirit longs for us to get on board with but we continue to get burdened and and entangled with all sorts of things that the enemy has told to us that are not true, but we have experiences that kind of make them look true. So we kind of hold on to them. And as a result of that, we struggle to believe what the spirit is telling and communing with our spirit and the life that now lives and resides in us. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So as the Holy Spirit is there, it's amazing how we can quarantine him. It doesn't seem like you could be able to do this, but that seems to be the effect on how we live. It's almost like this incredible, glorious spirit of God that lives inside of us. We can somehow contain some kind of, of, of suppression, something and that causes us to continue to be kind of miss, missing the mark of the fullness of what God has for us. Hmm. The second time, he says, the spirit that raised Christ from the dead will be a gift. The same life will be given to you. I just love that. Let's let's really receive that. We'll give life to your mortal bodies. I don't know about your body, but my body needs life. It's drooping in certain areas. It needs some real life. And it's like, okay, the spirit is the agent who brings life to our mortal bodies. So our spirit gets activated but our physical body is also to be activated. <laughs> I love how the, the NIV puts it. He will give life to your mortal bodies. Yes. Not your immortal, that's your spirit, but your mortal bodies. It has an expiration date on it. And he, it, needs, it needs to be inspired with the life-giving flow of God's spirit. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. 
The spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, one lives in you, will also give life to your mortal bodies, and he lives in you. Repetition. He wants us to kind of get this, that God's spirit lives in you. Sometimes I think we take that for granted. Sometimes we don't get a full understanding of what does that mean? And that's why Paul says, the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Now, when people just say, you know, you got the spirit, you got the spirit. Thank you. Yeah, we got the spirit, we got the spirit. But then all of a sudden, when it gets attached to the most incredible miracle of all, raising Jesus from the dead, and all of a sudden now we understand that that spirit that operated in history, that brought Jesus from the dead back to life, that is the spirit that lives in us. Hallelujah. <laughs> that changes things. One, it, start, it really puts the enemy in a, in a vulnerable position because all the things that he's worked so hard to make us believe that are true, all of a sudden there is a, there is a force inside of us that can trump all our logic and all our experiences. It's the trumping power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The spirit that raised Jesus can resurrect all the places in us, especially those places where the enemy has lied to us for years. Probably some of us, it was almost from birth. <clears throat> and what we believe is true about us is so restricted and so limited. While we can entertain all sorts of wonderful truth theologically in our head, in our hearts, we can't embrace it. And we never live from it because it never affects to our soul, to where we live. And so we, we live with this dichotomy of what we know is true theologically and how we live. And I believe that the Spirit wants to bring those back on the same plane. He wants to elevate all the different ways in which evil has touched and the way in which we have misheard and misunderstood truth and he wants to bring that to where what we know is true from God's word becomes our experience as we're living. <clears throat> now, when, whenever I try to preach like this, I know what the enemy's doing. Oftentimes, he's, he's just trying to say, oh, that's true for everybody else, but not me. Uh, if, if you really knew me, you, you just know that you know, for me to just make heaven, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful I'm not going to go to hell. That, that's, that's as good as, and, and I'm just holding on. I'm just holding on until Jesus returns or I die, whichever comes first, so that I can finally get somewhere where I can really live what this book tells us we can live, the abundant life. And it's like, oh, no, 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 no. What we will experience we can't even begin to imagine. But what's written here is for here. It's for here. It may point to a future, 
but it's a future that has been inaugurated with the coming of Jesus Christ who has brought God's kingdom to planet earth. And now we've got to continue to learn and through intimate relationship with God, understand how to appropriate that in practical ways into our life. So I love this. The spirit and life, we have life. It's real life. It's, it's not existence. It's not that you've got a heartbeat and your lungs are, are breathing air and, and you've got some brainwave activity. It, it, this is life. This is, this is the kind of life that Jesus came that we might know what it is. Because none of us were there with Adam and Eve in the garden. Jim's close, but he's not quite. <laughs> so none of us go that far back. So we don't know exactly what the life was supposed to be like. And that's why God sent his son so that we would know life. And we understand eternal life is to know him. So in our relationship connection with him, where we get to know him is how we get to know what life is. Jesus said that I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, have an abundant life. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but I think life's getting better. I know for some, cup's always half empty and it's like, oh, you know, and, and, and I just love it when you get the 80, 70, 90 year olds that are so excited about living life. Lauren, it's really good. <laughs> it's getting better. I want you to know what you've got in the future is going to be off the charts. I can't believe it's this good. When I was in seminary and I knew everything about God and the kingdom, <laughs> I didn't have a clue that it was this good. I really didn't. Matter of fact, I was still trying to do it religiously through effort. And I had no idea how wonderful things get and they keep getting more and more gloriously wonderful. I pinch myself at times just to make sure I'm not in a dream because sometimes when, when you get into his presence and you start to understand what he's communicating to you, it's so good that you don't have the capacity to even embrace it, to understand it. So we embrace what we can and that's how we get more. Embrace what you know, and you'll get more. That's, you know, if you're hungry in the natural, you eat, your, your hunger dissipates because you're full. But in the spiritual, if you're hungry and you eat, you get hungrier. The more you eat, the hungrier you get. And that's a good thing. Some people think That's, that'd be terrible and never get satiated. Oh gosh. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a good thing because you are full and yet hungry. Full and yet hungry. It's a paradox of the kingdom that the fuller you get, the hungrier you get because we are in a relationship with a God that cannot be limited or defined, restricted in any way. His best is beyond what we can imagine. So let's go for what we can and then see what opens up next. Secondly, we go to the spirit and sonship. 
Therefore, we have an obligation not to the sinful nature. Uh, we got an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature. <clears throat> but if, and, and this, is, this is some of the, the grammatical construction, there's a lot of if-thens, conditional, conditional statements, if this, then this. You can see that all through there. But he says, if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Oh my stars, we just had live three times in the, in the verses before that. Now he's hitting live again. I think he wants us to know he does not want us to exist. He doesn't want us to get by. He really wants us to live. He wants us to live. If by the Spirit you put the misdeeds of the body. First of all, all of us who got our PhD in religious performance, this is a good time to just kind of release that and, and repent and, and just ask for the grace to release all of that stuff. Because it's if by the Spirit you put the misdeeds of the body. It's, it's not you doing it. You have to cooperate and you have to receive the Spirit. The Spirit automatically does it. All you have to do is receive the Spirit. Keep your eyes upon the Lord. Keep your eyes upon Jesus. Oh, yes. Receive the Spirit and watch how He dismantles all the misdeeds of our, of our flesh, of our sinful nature. It gets to the place, there, there's really a time, I believe, when we stop really focusing on sin. It's not because we, we, we think the cross doesn't matter. No, no, we, are, we, we will forever be rejoicing at the forgiveness, the atonement that the cross has, has done for us. But the Spirit starts residing in us to the point that now our eyes get off of us. When our eyes remain upon us and we're continually concerned about us, guess what? It's hard to see Jesus. It's hard to see the Spirit. It's hard to see other people because we're constantly looking at us. But when we get in His presence and we're fellowshipping and communing with Him, guess what? We don't really think about ourselves. We get captured by His beauty. We get completely undone by His goodness. He is better than I ever, ever could imagine. Just when I think I've experienced the zenith of his goodness, <clears throat> he shows me something else. His mercies are new every morning. Yes. And it's like, oh, but preacher, don't you need to really preach against sin? You know, don't you really need to tell all these folks that, you know, stop sinning. You don't measure up. You're not enough. Come on, let's keep going. Guilt them into giving, guilt them into better behavior, guilt them in manipulation. That is a trademark of the kingdom of darkness. And God forgive us for how we as leaders in the church have used that. Use the enemy's tools to try to do the king's business. Doesn't work. If you can get a revelation and see how beautiful he is and how wonderful he is and how good he is, it will so undo you that you'll want to get closer and closer and closer. And as you get closer to him, 
the very things that hold you back, the, the lies that you've believed, the, the traumas, the, the evil that has been done to you, as you just get closer to him, all that stuff starts to dissipate. And thank God for all the different people that he works through that helps us do that. He gives us therapists. He gives us pastors. He gives us home group leaders. He gives us brothers and sisters in Christ. He gives us each other because it takes all of us to get there. We can't see ourselves accurately. I was told there are things that I know that are true about me. And there are things that you know that may be true about me. But there's other things that are true about me that you don't know and I don't know. We need the collective corporate body of Christ if we're going to grow. I think the, the Lord would love to lovingly show us some blind spots today. And when, when I hear like the Lord's gonna show me a blind spot, he's gonna show me, Rick, here's black. This is where you're really missing it. You're gonna... No. Oftentimes he says, you know, here's where you've got a, a glimpse of my glory, but let's take the blind spot and just kind of let you see a, a little more full the glory that I have. And when we see the fullness of his glory, it does more than all our sin management could ever do if we gave every ounce of energy to sin management. We get undone when we see him. And when we see him as he is, we embrace him and it starts to become something real for us and we start living from that place. If by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because when we're led by the Spirit of God, we're sons of God. Everything in the kingdom involves family. It's, It's amazing sonship and daughtership. As we come, as we're led by the Spirit of God, as we have received the Spirit, the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the Spirit that gives us life, the the life that he gives, we, we walk in the Spirit, we start being led by the Spirit. Guess what? Instantly, well, we've already been born again, but now we know we're sons and daughters of God by the Spirit. Wow. It goes to the very core of who we are. The Spirit of God will not lead you back into slavery to fear. Every time you feel a tug and you start to become fearful, it's not the right spirit. This spirit never leads us back to fear. When we come into the presence of God and his awesomeness, some have called that fear, the fear of the Lord. That's a different beast than slavery to fear. Slavery to fear here is part of the kingdoms of darkness's uh, tactics. Receive the spirit of God. 
The Spirit is what keeps us away from fear. I'll be driving down the road in the car and I'll have a thought. And all of a sudden this thought is a thought that, where did this come from? I don't even know where this thought came from. And in days gone by, I would have that thought and I'd think, oh, you're such a bad person. I can't believe that you thought that. (laughs) Oh, if people knew you had that thought, oh, they'd never go to your church. If they knew that you thought a thought, oh. And and you have this thought and it comes in. And in the past, it would there, and, and sometimes I'd torment myself with the fact that I had this horrible, horrible thought. How in the world can I have this thought? Because, you know, what does this mean? And now the enemy throws the same kind of thought and I laugh. And I say, that's not my thought. I'm not going to bite on your thought. That thought is disgusting. I know it's not in the mind of the Father. It's not in the mind of the Son. And it's not in the mind of the Spirit who lives in me. And I have been given the mind of Christ. So I'm not going to think that thought. I'm not going to condemn myself because a thought came into my brain because the enemy has the ability to put thoughts he can, he can flash a thought and we can grab hold of it and believe it's our thought because we've had thoughts like that before. That's always one of his classics. Well, this is yours because you've thought this way before. No, it's not mine. I will not receive it. I will not allow it any space in my mind because I have the mind of Christ. And then I just say, Father, I don't want to think any thoughts in my mind that you're not thinking in yours. I want to entertain only the things that you're thinking about in my mind. Now, some are saying, boy, that's pretty lofty. That's pretty lofty. You really think you can do that? Yeah, you're real spiritual, huh? I would just encourage you to try it. And believe that he wants you thinking his thoughts. We know Isaiah tells us that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts above our thoughts. That, that's so true. But with Jesus Christ come, when he's come and done everything that he's secured, he's really made it so that we can know the Father. And knowing the Father is knowing what our Father's thinking. It's thinking like our Father. Because we're thinking like our Savior, because he's given us the mind of Christ. And so we can think these thoughts. <clears throat> Francis Frangipan talked about the three, three battlefields, and, and the mind was one that he really took a lot of time in, in really looking at. And you know that I'm a heart guy, so I always go to the heart. But the mind is powerful as well. When we get the mind in harmony with the heart and they're both being (laughs) indwelled by the spirit that raised Christ from the dead, when the spirit of God is is moving and operating in both, we've just took two-thirds of the enemy's ways in which he attacks us and brings us down right out from underneath. It's like, okay, let's, 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 let's sign up for this. 
Let's see what this is like. So he goes on. He says, uh, <clears throat> because the Spirit is getting rid of those misdeeds in the body, in the flesh. We are now so in touch and in harmony that we're, we're children of God, we're sons of God. And we find that instead of fear, there is a spirit of sonship, a spirit of adoption. There is a spirit of oneness, of knowing that our Father is for us. And <laughs> whereby we say, Abba, Father. <clears throat> in a minute, I'm gonna read the Passion to you to close this. And it says, oh, beloved Father, beloved Father. The third Spirit and heirs, the two agree, our spirit and God's spirit, when they come in in an agreement that we are the children of God. That's what the spirit of God and your spirit, when your spirit is saying you're a child of God and there's something else that says, uh, you're a stepchild oh, or you're uh, a child in the making, uh, if you can do five more things right this week, you might be able to take an introduction to childhood with God. Hmm. No, we are God's children. That's what we are. Children, heirs, co-heirs with Christ. Right on. If, oh, here's that if again the conditional if. If we share in his sufferings in order that we may share in his glory. <clears throat> oh, why do you have to put that in there? Hmm. We're gonna get back to that. Listen to this in the, in the Passion Translation. Just enjoy this. It's, it'll be on the screen as well. Yes, God raised Jesus to life, and since God's spirit of resurrection lives in you, he will also raise your dying body to life by the same spirit that breathes life into you. I love that. So then, beloved ones, <clears throat> the flesh has no claims on us at all, and we have no further obligation to live in obedience to it. Hallelujah. For when you live controlled by the flesh, you are about to die. Boy, ain't that true. No doubt. That's why every time the enemy can, can trick us and, and get us to, to lust, get us to uh, bite on temptation, get us to entertain it in our thoughts, and then it becomes an action, it feels like we've died. Have you noticed that? You know, as a new believer, you know, and you sin, it's just like, oh, I need to find Jesus all over again. I mean, it's crushing. It's absolutely crushing to everything that you know. It's so precious. But <clears throat> if the life of the Spirit puts to death the corrupt ways of the flesh, then we then taste his abundant life. <clears throat> Amen. The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance. Uh -huh. Oh, can you say that? 
the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God, and you will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved father. Mm. For the spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. Just take a minute and tell that to your neighbor. You are God's beloved child. Mm. Okay. Did you hear them? The Holy Spirit is saying that all the time to you. The Holy Spirit is saying you are God's beloved child. And since we are his true children, we, we qualify to share all his treasures. Yummy, yummy. For indeed we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. We will experience being co-glorified with him, provided that we accept his suffering as our own. Right on. Oh, we're in so many different places. Holy Spirit, just tailorize this to each one's heart. One of the things that that hit me, I had a friend that was, was telling me he was given his testimony and he was talking and he was just in one of those euphoric places with God. He was just thankful for God. He was praising the Lord and all this. And, and the Lord spoke to him and said, you are a mercenary lover. You know, don't think God won't say hard things to us, but he always says hard things for us because he wants to take us to the next level. And this is where the suffering comes in. If we want to to, to know the fullness of his glory, we have to identify in the fellowship of his sufferings as well. And he says, you love your church. as, As my buddy was telling me this, he's a pastor. I just thought, yeah, you know, I love my sheep really well. I think I get a star in heaven for loving, for loving you guys. I, I love you really well, really well. And he says, but you're a mercenary lover. And I thought, the one that you love the most, that expression of love should be for the one that you know the least. Ooh. Now, this isn't to shame or guilt or trip anybody. No guilt trips, no shame. But it's, it's a, about love expanding. We can always continue to grow and develop in the expression of love. And part of it is when we start to have God's heart for everyone, even a casual person that we come in contact with. We don't have to know who they are, who they voted for, uh, what church they go to, whether they, you know, are spirit-filled or, you know, we just know the Father loves them because he created them in his image. And when we learn how to share his love, 
from his heart through our heart, we will suffer. You will definitely suffer. It, it will happen. You'll be rejected. You'll be misunderstood. You'll be questioned on your motives of why you did it. But that's part of embracing the fellowship of his suffering. Learning to love the way he loved will always put us at risk. Will always put us at risk. Now let me pull it back just a little bit. This young guy's been married six months and I'd learned so much from him. He says, you know, six months into marital bliss and all, you know, all, already there's, there's the differences of personality and temperaments and some friction here and a little friction there and stuff that's taken place. And he said while he was praying, it was like the spirit placed in him. Lord, help me love my spouse authentically the way you design my spouse to be loved. I thought, oh, I told Debbie that this week. I said, oh, I've got a lot of, a lot of stuff to undo and to learn. <clears throat> She's, she knows she married an old dog, but I was a young dog when she married me. <laughs> and I still learn new tricks. And it's like, Lord, show me how. How do I authentically love her in the way that before the foundation of the earth, you ordained that she should be loved? Now, for those that are married, I, I want you to, to take that and apply that and ask the Lord to show your, your heart on that in relationship to your spouse. Then on top of that, Apply it to every person in your life. How do I love them authentically? This isn't <clears throat> to put a burden that's unbearable upon you. This is just to give you a mindset that when you encounter someone, the love of the Father is right there. And the Father knows how he created that person to be loved. And you have connection with the Father. So all you have to do is get into the Father's heart and say, Lord, how do you want to express your love to this person today? And then you can take that. And if he gives you some, uh, some revelation, he, he gives you some words, to speak or an action to do, you can employ that and enter, to, enter into that. And you may get rejected, you may get shot down, you may get embraced. It may be a God moment of, of holy salvation, redemption and healing, but it's moving from his heart of love to others. Oh, I'm so glad that we're no longer under condemnation. That this just becomes stuff to inspire us, to say, Father, continue. We're just children. We're, we're growing up. We, we don't know how to do this, but you do. And so we're just saying, Lord, show me how to do this. Show me what I need to do. Show me how to hear what you're doing in the moment so that I can cooperate with you and see your kingdom come and your will be done and see love win the order of the day 
because his love never fails. So Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you've given us your spirit. And because you've given us your spirit, you've given us your life. We thank you that we have life and that life in the spirit is real and that it transforms and it, and it, it changes the way we think and the way we feel and the way we see and how we relate to one another. Oh, thank you that when you bring us into the family, <clears throat> you give us the full, you give us the full right of sonship and we get to be known as your sons. That the spirit that lives within, that raised Jesus from the dead, will cause us to be led by his impulses, by his direction, and that we can stay in step with the spirit. Lord, I don't know how many times I read being led by the spirit and felt so bad because I knew I wasn't being led by the spirit. I was doing what I wanted to do and the enemy would beat the snot out of me over that. I thank you, Lord, that you never beat the snot out of us. But you just show us that, yeah, that's one way you could do it, but here's another. And you're always inviting us. You're always inviting us into the Spirit's way. And we're so thankful that you live in us and that you've not only brought us into family, but you've decided to share all the treasures of inheritance We are heirs with Christ Jesus. That you, Lord Jesus, is not just an example for us, but that you're an example of us. You show us of who we're supposed to be. And it's not for performance, it's for intimacy. We know that you and Father were so wonderfully bonded. And the bond that you have modeled for us is the very bond that we have and we want to see it grow and develop even more today. Mm. As the worship team leads us in this last song, just let the Spirit of God minister to your heart in all the ways that he desires to. And uh, do not allow the enemy to bring any shame, any guilt, any condemnation. That is the furthest from the real heart of God's spirit. He would never do that to you. Praise God. Let's stand together as we sing. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.